You think you know me. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Barricade Studio folks, for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast. So out with me, your host, Freddy Aloso, with my co-host, the Devil's Advocate, Robert Fane. Happy birthdays to Lawrence Taylor and Damian Priest, one of my personal favorites. Damian Priest. Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor or Damian Priest? It's funny that it's Lawrence Taylor's birthday. And we'll explain why. <laughs> and my other co-host, the encyclopedia himself. And gentlemen, I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Hey, he looked good, man. He's back. You know what? A little too much oil on those abs, but other than that. Hey, if you got the abs to show it. Well, I was going to say, if I had abs like that, they'd be oiled up all the time. <laughs> Nothing beats <laughs> gotta keep it's funny, room. considering you don't wrestle, you'd be walking yeah. around work, your abs out, all oiled. <laughs> all oiled up, just walking down the street, walking through stop and stop, all oiled up. Like, what is wrong with this guy? How many people stop listening after the, the thought of Freddy and his abs, like, walking around, like, hey, baby. Right. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do, right? So wrong. So what do you guys think of the show, the Rumble? Well, first of all, we should talk about the standings. Um, I mean, who won? Uh, it, was, it was actually the champ, and by some miracle, Blackbeard snuck in as well. But let me also say, uh, I'm the only one that got a Royal Rumble winner right. So you're welcome. Guys, guys, no need to bow. I told you it's not necessary. I don't need worship. I just want you guys. To, we're just three guys doing a podcast here. I Come feel like this is, this is Barry Horowitz patting himself on the back <laughs> as he walks out to the ring. <laughs> Seriously, um, I thought it was an average, very average rumble. I don't think there was anything that stood out to me that like I would consider rewatching anytime soon. I thought the ladies' match was was better than the men's match, and I was a little disappointed in Edge winning. I wasn't, I didn't see that, but I'm kind of liking where it's going from here. But at the time, I was a little disappointed. We're going to get into our part timer situation, and I think I've been very clear on what my position is on part timers. Um, and I consider him a part timer at this point. As I was saying with the Rumble, I thought it was a very middle of the road kind of Rumble. It wasn't, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't great either. I'd have to echo your sentiments on that. Uh, I did enjoy the Roman KO match. 
until the fuck up at the end where they couldn't get, <laughs> they couldn't get the uh, handcuffs off of them. Um, the women's match was cool. The surprise entrance were black. The best surprise of the night for me was probably Carlito. I was a fan of his when he was his original WWE run until they kind of jobbed him out towards the end. But other than that, you know, Edge winning was blah. Like I feel like you could have done better with giving it to a to a younger guy, maybe maybe a biggie or somebody along those lines. But I, I like seeing Damian Priest kind of starting to get his shine as he came out. They're kind of giving him the, like, Batista-ish type treatment. So, what do you think of Psychopedia? I didn't think it was an average show. I, I, I thought it was a pretty good show considering. Of course, me being me, I'm going to bitch about certain things. We hope that after next year, when Goldberg's contract is up, that's the end of him because he almost fucked up another jackhammer. I noticed McIntyre kind of landed almost feet first on that one, so that was terrible. Uh, hopefully that's the end of it, but at least Goldberg put somebody over. Uh, not that McIntyre needed it. The women's title match was better than I expected it to be, but nobody really thought Carmella had a shot. Uh, the last man standing, uh, Freddie mentioned, that was the you-fucked-up moment of the week as far as I'm concerned. And there's so many ways they could have gotten around it. They could have had the referee checking on the other referee and then realizing he had to start a count. And at that point, they could have verified that Roman was free, at least, per se. I don't know why they don't use some sort of gimmick handcuffs, you know, just as a safety in case for some reason they can't get that key to unlock. Because the way that they KO cuffed him, it was going to make it really hard to get him loose to begin with. Um, I know Rob, he didn't mention it. I was a little surprised. The spot with the uh, forklift and the board, and I was I was having flashbacks of halftime heat when Mankind pushed that board down on the rock to hold him down for a three count, which would have been perfect for a last man standing match. But that's not KO. KO doesn't exactly always do the smartest things. He always does the crazy shit. Uh, and I think he's actually been compared himself to McFoley in those respects. So I actually was relieved that he actually hit the Swanton off there. Um, that was the, probably the one disappointment I had was that ending. I think they really screwed that up for whatever reason. But it is what it is. The women's Royal Rumble match, I agree with you. The surprises were kind of lackluster. I don't think they were necessary, at least on the women's side. If that's the best you could get, then why bother? I, I mean, prime example, who would have gotten a bigger pop, Jillian Hall or... If they brought up back Melina, I actually thought Jillian Hall was kind of funny. She was funny. I just, I mean, it was just kind of like, really, this is who they went after. But it is what it is. Uh, Tori Wilson seems to be better now than she ever was in the <laughs> late two thousands. I was like, what? She actually learned how to wrestle. <laughs> that doesn't say much either. <laughs> yeah. I know there were some people that were pointing that there was the sequence with Rhea and Bianca where Bianca might have touched the ground. I don't think she did. There's ways they could have maybe had the camera up a little bit. Maybe you do a tape delay. I'm surprised they weren't able to fix that. But it is what it is. At least we saw a new person getting a push out of this, which is something the men's match has really been lacking for quite some time. We've talked about it before. And, we, you know, Edge was a surprise winner. 
in all our eyes, but he's already won one before. Daniel Bryan was rumored. I would have liked Daniel Bryan to win, but does he need that rub? No. Well, it's not necessarily a rub. It's who's going to face Roman at, it was, you know, Daniel Bryan was going to face Roman at WrestleMania, I thought. Right. So yeah. that would have been, you know, first of all, I would have had KO win the title. I would have had him win it exactly that way. Just because it made sense, right? if we're thinking it, it would have been like, oh, yeah, a call back to something that he did. And then they can, they can take it back off him in the next pay-per-view. I mean, right. it would have made – because, I mean, Kale looks kind of stupid that he keeps getting caught with the same thing over and over again. And, and Roman, on the other hand, can't seem to win a match without all kinds of shenanigans. Right. So, for me, KO to turn the tables on him after doing that whole thing with Adam Pierce, it seemed like it was a natural progression to give him the belt and then let him lose it to Roman again, you know. That that would give Roman even more. I mean, piss him off even more. You know, yeah. he would be. He could go on SmackDown this week and like destroy the roster and start beating people up and you know doing all kinds of crazy shit. And then, then you'd have him perfectly set up for for WrestleMania. Yeah, you could give it to him at what Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber. Well, and you could have, you could have also not had this match you could have had ko as a surprise entrant coming back from the injury to win the royal rumble i think more people would have been interested in that possibility and then you could do roman and ko and blow it off at wrestlemania but the second roman was doing the beatdown and he was screaming that i can't lose i can't go back home if i lose this match i'm the head of the table and the second he started saying that i was like it doesn't fucking matter they're not even going to try to surprise us here and it's funny, we've for years been complaining about how they have that formula where the good guy, hopefully at the end, with the way the story was built up, because this was a WrestleMania storyline as far as I'm concerned. They did a nice job setting everything up. KO never got his comeuppance, and that's something they never do. The good guy usually gets his comeuppance at the end. He usually gets that win. And we've been saying for years, oh, it'd be nice for them to try something different. Unfortunately, they tried it with Roman Reigns, who a lot of people aren't a fan of. I got to say the heel runs working. Uh, hats off to him. I just I didn't like that KO was the one being jobbed out and that's I'm going to be honest that's total bias on my part because on the men's side of things KO's my favorite. I love K- I I love KO too. I think he's underutilized. Yeah. My problem, you know, my other problem is with Edge. Uh, he gets hurt all the time now, so I don't think his body's going to hold up. And number two, he was gassed at the end of that match. I mean, he could not. They should have, if they really wanted to do this, they should have given him a higher number. Because yeah, let him come in at, at thirty. At the end of the, they were their camera constantly was paid going away from him because he could barely stand at certain points, and you can tell his body was just not ready for that kind of action. So, like, I kept, I think I said to Anthony at one point, I was watching, and I said, "Man, Edge is gassed. Like, you can tell he's got nothing left. Like, I don't know how he's going to get through this match." So, like. It, that's my two problems with him is like he's probably not going to re- I mean I was like they put him in their uh, match against uh, Orton and I was like shit they're really risking that he could get hurt again between now and Wrestlemania because he gets hurt all the time now it seems like every time he comes back he's out he goes back out he's been back once he's been hurt several times he's got a bad neck he's hurt his arm I mean he's he gets hurt a lot now yeah. he's not he's retired for a bit. <laughs> I was going to say he was retired because of the neck injury but he yeah it's not like he's been injured over and over again. He hasn't really come back. And well, it's it's my feeling that he's not going to hold up over time. That's fine. I, I think they shoot they could shoot themselves in the foot for the tricep injury because he actually had gotten through that greatest wrestling match ever, and then they decided <laughs> to refilm some spots. That's when he actually did, tore it. So they only got themselves to thank on that one. I think he's going to hold up a little bit. 
better than you might think, but um, I'm intrigued by the storyline, especially after NXT. Well, I actually felt like he came out of NXT with a lot more opportunities and a lot more possible options for people he could face there than and, yeah, at the main roster. Yeah. And, and I know the rumor is Roman. The rumor is Roman Reigns is going to be the person he's going to challenge, and it's corny. It's pathetic, but you could hype that up as the battle of the spears. Who's got the better spear, you know? And it's still something new and fresh that we haven't seen. Goldberg has something to say about that. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that what they were going to do at WrestleMania last year with Roman and and Goldberg? And then Roman pulled out because of COVID? And we might have gotten lucky because knowing Goldberg, he probably would have speared himself into the mat because he's done that before too. Final thought on the Rumble. I mean, like Anthony kind of summed it up, all the matches to me were kind of predictable. So there wasn't any surprise outcomes. And then the Rumbles themselves were, you know, they were fine. You know, that's what I watched the Royal Rumble for. But at the same time, I didn't find myself like, if I sit down and think about, am I going to watch this one? At some point, I might go back to it. But it's certainly not on my top ten must rewatch list. Yeah. Rob was Rob. so frustrated with that last man standing match, he tore his shirt and he still hasn't taken it off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. All right. And I won, by the way. So. Okay, moving on. Still the chant. Barry Horowitz. That's going to be the uh, picture this week with Rob's face on it. I I swear, if this was like an actual wrestling storyline-like thing we were doing and there was going to be a match, I would totally turn on him just (laughs) so I wouldn't have to hear him. You you think I would tag with you? (sighs) (laughs) Come on. You're not in my you're not in my league. Come on. Oh man. So speak speak. <laughs> Big if if I ever actually become champion, I will not be as an, an arrogant piece of shit as this guy's been. I promise you that. We don't have to worry about that. The only way you're yeah. gonna become champ is if Freddie, Stevie, and I all get killed. <laughs> you have to go. You have to go full heel on it. When when you're champ, you gotta go full heel. You gotta go that's full the, heel. That's the Good night champs are boring. Yeah. I'm the ultimate underdog. <laughs> yep. Good guy champs are boring. They're always transitions. The villains are always the best champs. Maybe you can, you, you can take Rob's Brooklyn Brawler t-shirt and be the <laughs> ultimate underdog. <laughs> but speaking of championships, have you, guys, have you guys seen the uh, signature series belt for uh, that WWE released this week. The Razor the, Ramon? The Razor Ramon $500 price tag. I was going to say, Freddie uh, already ordered it. Did you get three not, of them? Not, not, not for 500 bucks. Freddie's trying to convince his kids to let him trade all their video game systems in so he has the money to buy this belt because he's the biggest Razor Mark I've ever met Honey, in my life. Honey, I don't have to eat this week. Come on, we don't have Razor Ramon belt. Yeah. Let's do it. Until you could roll the R... You can't buy it, even if you get money. Razor Ramon. Ramon. Hey, well, you guys are practicing. Nice. I don't have to do it now. But yeah. Hey, yo. The Fink did it the best. Razor Ramon. Hey, yo. These belts are astronomically priced. It's it's insane. Between. Not buying a belt, 
<laughs> the Fiend one. Did you see the Fiend one was almost like a $700 price tag? I, you know what? That's a totally different design from a traditional title belt, but yeah. I, yeah. Do you think WWE has like a storeroom that just has all belts in it? Because like every time a sports ends, they like, we sent them a belt. I'm like, do you have like belts on standby? They must have a room with like a hundred belts on a wall. You just walk in and take one. Or that tells you how much they're hiking up the price on those things that they could have that many. Or do they have? If they gave you that belt, I'd give it back. Do they have each team's personally made, like, uh... Do they do that? Yeah, they put on the little, um... The side plates. Yeah, the side plates. So I think that's what it is. It it tells you who they root for. They never did that when the Yankees won. Shocker, right? Mm. But when the Patriots won, hey, Tom Brady, our boy! Yeah, shut up. Well, didn't, didn't the, uh, the Chiefs walk around with it at the parade last year? Travis Kelsey had it on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Can you imagine, though, if the Bucks pull it out on Sunday, Gronk is going to get his second WWE title in the last year. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I think, either, uh, but... Patty Mahomes is going to walk away with a with a second championship. I hope so. I hate Tom Brady. I hope Gronk's leg falls off as he's running down the street. If anybody could pull it off. I mean, who the hell thought Brady was going to actually get into the Super Bowl this year? I sure as hell didn't. Yeah. I, I had them pick to go against the Chiefs at the start of the year once Brady went over there. But that was before the season started. I yes, mean, halfway was, through the season, I was like, yeah, not happening. But holy after, shit. After, after that first game against the, uh, the Saints, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. But we digress. Let's get back to wrestling here. Hey, we're trying to bring the frenzy back somehow, you know? We're, we're trying. We're, we should be back this weekend with a Super Bowl episode. But nice. That's the plan. All right. All right. Anyway. Did you guys watch AEW? I tried, and sorry to the two of you that we started a few minutes late. I was throwing up in the bathroom after watching the Shaq and Jade segment. Shaq on Inside NBA, as well as that wedding storyline. Well, first of all, that Shaq and Jade is probably going to be one of the worst matches you're ever going to see. Because I can't imagine Jade has any ring acumen whatsoever. She can't deliver a promo, and Shaq looks like a, a fool. So I can't imagine that match is going to be any good. What did he call it? The Black Tornado or something like that? Yeah, where he smacks a piece of plastic. I'm like, you just did the Judas Effect, asshole. <laughs> anyway. So what, I really, what I really wanted to focus on with AEW this week, yes, the wedding was quite awful. But um, the show ended with Kenta making an appearance. So if, if we're looking at this correctly, we now have an AEW Impact New Japan alliance now i know you guys are not new japan followers i am and i can tell you that i mean if you think about it if the three of them really can come together and pull pull like maybe a super show or something like that i mean that that's unprecedented in my opinion and i mean if you're, if you're vince mcmahon you got to start to wonder you know how did this all come about how are they all getting together and what are they going to do with all this because the exchange of talent can be quite it, that can go on for quite a long time. And I think what they're trying to do with this is they're trying to get to the real – I'm using this term, real wrestling fans. 
And what I mean by them is the people who really follow New Japan are really fans of, they really like the technical wrestling part. They're not a big angle type guy. You know, they don't want all the, the stuff that goes on in WWE. They, they, don't, they don't do any of that in New Japan. It's really pretty much straight wrestling. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to work out, who's going to benefit from that. I mean, at this point, to me, Impact looks like the little the little brother being left out. But uh, they were teasing it for weeks. Kenta was constantly on Twitter, you know, threatening uh, Moxley. And for him to come out and actually attack him, I mean, I'm curious to see where this is going to go. I'm, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that at all. I mean, it, it could... It could be good, like, if it's done the right way. I'm just not sure if AEW is leading the charge, if it can be done the right way, without Cody himself over everybody at some point and screwing it all up. Um, I, I like the idea of maybe FTR versus um, Tama Tonga and his brother, that whole... Um, the Bullet Club. You know, the Bullet Club aspect of it. Maybe, uh, was it Jay White coming over? What's the name of that team? What, Gorillas of Destiny? or Yeah, yeah. G-O-D or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'd be interesting to see if they can pull it off. I'm just not sure that the people in charge won't get out of their own way to do it. But, you know, the one thing I'll say about that, it's a good point, and the one thing I will point out to you is the reason why the Ring of Honor New Japan relationship fell apart was Ring of Honor was trying to put all of their guys over all the New Japan guys. And New Japan's like, yeah, we're not having that. So right. if you study history and you say, all right, well, the last time we tried to do this, it didn't work out like that, you know, we can, you can go back and say, all right, well, this time we'll have to spread it out a little more. We'll have to make sure that, you know, one – faction isn't going over the other all the time or things like that so hopefully they'll learn their lesson i mean if you think about it the young bucks um what do you call it um carl anderson and and all those guys, they were all in new japan so they know how all that works so and don Callis was over there um jim ross was over there so i mean they've got a lot of people that have worked in all the different places so when, as the pandemic hopefully starts to wind down and travel becomes more of an option, I'm really curious to see if, number one, AEW goes back on the road, and number two is, will this is this a one-off, or is this a relationship they're going to try and um, foster? Because really, I mean, if you think about it, they can bring talent in and out all the time. So no one ever gets too stale. After a while, Jericho goes somewhere else. He goes to Japan for a while, and they bring over... Uh, Okada, who's who's the current champion over there now, and let him wrestle in America for a while and expo- expose him to the United States. Right. So I'm I'm excited for this. I'm hoping it's what I'm thinking it's going to be. But on the other hand, I'm almost anticipating that they're going to screw it up at some point, like Freddie said. As far as AEW getting back on the road, I fucking hope so because they've rescheduled that New York <laughs> show three times, and I'm sick of the ticket sitting in my Ticketmaster account. Selfishly, Anthony needs them to go back out on the road. He doesn't care yeah. about anything else. Yeah, because everyone else in my crew that got tickets are like, yeah, we'll just wait for the new date. By the last time, I'm like, yeah, I guess we might as well at this point. I'm like, yeah, because it's been do. three damn times. I, I wish they would start touring again before they announce a new date. Anyway, going to this, I feel like they've already screwed it up. I feel like this whole Impact AEW thing, it's not doing anything for either company. And in a lot of respects, AEW's ratings have gone down, and I've actually found the shows to be kind of boring lately which is kind of sad some of the matches they're throwing on dynamite i'm like 
wow, we were getting really high quality matches every week, and I feel like they're kind of going down. We're seeing like w- w- we had Hangman and Matt Hardy against uh, Luther, and I don't even know the guy's name, Scorpio or Serpentico. Serpentico, thank you. Like we're getting matches like that now. I, next week we're getting Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. Who freaking cares? AEW is supposed to stand out and be something different than like what you see in WWE, and they're starting to, I feel like, fall into some of their traps. Uh, as far as New Japan, and I get what Rob's saying, but that hardcore wrestling audience, that's a small niche. That's a small community. I don't think the ratings are going to get any better. I don't think anyone's really going to make much money off it. I think Okada might be the big key, as Rob mentioned, bringing if he gets involved in some way. But the other thing is the travel to Japan and U.S. Can you even do that right now? I was shocked that Hikaru Shida has been allowed to go back to Japan because what happens if uh, with the restrictions – she can't get back in the, to the U.S. We don't know. I don't think it'll be an issue, but I found it very interesting, that whole world title eliminated tournament. They're having a Japanese branch and a U.S. branch, and then Riho's somehow on the U.S. side. That I thought was hilarious. But anyway, do I hope it succeeds? Yeah, I think it would be nice to get a super card and see, you know, some from Impact win, some from AEW win, some from New Japan win. I just don't have a lot of faith in it because I feel like the Impact AEW merger has been fizzling out pretty quickly and the shows aren't as interesting as they could be. Uh, time will tell. As far as Kenta goes, I yeah I saw on social media that he did the run in on Moxley and the first thing I thought is he couldn't even hack it in NXT. So the American audience, unless you're a hardcore wrestling fan, who gives a shit? I'm just at least they're trying something different. I mean, I'm giving I'm giving them credit for that. The one thing I will agree with you on is that the shows lately have been very schizophrenic. Like Lance Archer, he's there. Who's he fighting? Why is he coming out? Like there's sometimes there's no rhyme or reason why things are happening. And I think um, that's a problem. I think they need to start identifying who people are and why they're fighting each other. You know, the end of the match came and Lance Archer came out. I'm like, why is Lance Archer getting involved in this? You know, I don't really follow what he's doing here. He was out a few little while ago, you know, fighting um, Eddie Kingston, and now he's out, you know, going after Kenny Omega. Why? So I, I think they've got um, some identity issues. They need to start, you know, lining up who's who and what's what. And like you said, and sometimes some of the matches you shake your head on. Like I know Cody Rhodes is wrestling next week. He's wrestling that Pete Avalon guy again. And I'm like, why? Why do I want to see that? That's like that's the bathroom break match of the night. Usually it's the ladies' matches, but now I'm getting men's matches that I'm going to start fast-forwarding through. So, I don't know. I think it's – I still think there's growing pains there. I think um, they've got to get their act together a little better. They're starting to – now they're getting to the point – like, you're, they're getting out of that comfort zone where you can't say they're new anymore. They've been doing this for a couple of years, so they really got to do it better. And I think there's a lot of balls in the air, and they're not really sure how to juggle them. But don't you think they should have done that before they started merging with other companies? Like, figured themselves out before you start co-branding events and bringing in outside talent? Yes like, and no. What you got? I mean, yes and no. I mean, at some point, if something comes up that you want, you got to grab it. Like, if this New Japan thing came up and they were like, we're into this, you got to kind of go like, well, you know, if you want to do it, it's now. Or, you know, someone, a free agent becomes available and you want them, you got to get them. And then you figure out after what you're going to do with them, I guess. But you better come up like Miro at this point, right? Miro has been a waste. Like, they can get rid of him tomorrow, and you wouldn't miss him at all. He's done absolutely right. nothing. And it's not his fault. They've just given him nothing to do. On an interesting note, there's a new free agent as of literally five minutes ago. 
Uh, not a big one, but Steve Cutler, who was just on SmackDown as one of Corbin's lackeys, has been released. I saw that. And speaking of released, have we? Have you guys saw that Lance Sullivan, uh, Lars Sullivan's been released? He's so forgettable that you couldn't even get his name out yeah. right. Well, you know, on one hand, it it it's kind of sad because he's obviously got some serious mental problems. And he, you know, he can't handle it, and he needs to walk away. On the other hand, I think a lot of things he's done to himself. His yeah, behavior self-sabotage. Not, yeah. Right, his behavior has not made him such a sympathetic figure. You know, if you look yeah. at the comments, half the comments are, you know, feel bad for the guy. He's got some mental health issues. The other ones are like, you know, he's a freak and an asshole, and he deserves whatever he gets. So, I mean, it's hard to say. I hope he gets his life together because, you know, it sounds like the, his mental illness is crippling him. I mean, they they gave him the opportunities, and he, you know, whether it be through mental health issues or just self sabotage, he just he couldn't capitalize on it. Yeah, I mean, he, he, apparently he stopped showing up for TV or something like that, and he said his anxiety was too great. And you know, if that's the case, that's a shame. But on the other hand, some of his behavior in the past has not made him, like I said, a sympathetic figure. So, right. I'm at least grateful that he realized that he couldn't handle it and he's stepping away before it got too out of hand the character was different i will say but i always felt like it was a character meant for a real big tall monster of a guy and he actually wasn't that tall i mean i remember seeing him in nxt they were hyping him up the same way then when he got in the ring and there was a couple times his opponent who was supposed to be intimidating was actually taller than him as far as the man behind Lars Sullivan, I guess all we could say is we hope uh, you get the help you need and you can get over the anxiety issues you have. Um, it, it's no joke, and uh, thankful that you recognized it before it really took a toll. Anything else uh, we want to talk about, or we want to get into our top five list? Well, before we jump into the top five, um, yes. going back to the AEW New Japan Impact could the reason it's not working to start is because it's impact because their fan base isn't that big and because their talent pool isn't that great. Well, they're just signing random free agents that didn't work on either brand and the stars that they do have, such as, you know, Tessa Blanchard, um, you know, other stars that did work. They, pass on the wayside and go for these free agent guys. I feel like AEW's and Impact are guilty of just trying to sign names that were former WWE guys uh, just to get get a small splash, but they they really need to plan out how they're going to bring these guys in. And Rob brought the name up before, Miro. I feel like Miro, maybe he's he seems thrilled to death with everything he's doing. They have the creative freedom in AEW, so hats off to them for giving them that opportunity. But I think there's some guys, and Miro's pro- unfortunately proven to be one of these guys. He doesn't know what to do with that creative freedom. It's a mess. It seems like, Freddie, to me, it's like um, the Good Brothers and Private Party really are the only ones that have benefited up to this point. So, like, I don't see a true mix. Like, if they really want to start, like, doing something, like, send more AEW guys over, send more Impact guys over, and start having some mixed, like, some interpromotional matches. Right. Instead of just going, well, here's the Good Brothers, the tag team champions, okay? And, you know, the private party's over on Impact, okay? Well, what does that all mean? 
When private party shows up on Impact, why aren't the Impact guys kicking the shit out of them? When the Good Brothers come over to AEW, why aren't all? Why isn't the whole roster pissed at, at that they're here? Yeah. And why? You know what I mean? Like it seems like it's it's half-assed, is what it is. It's you're they're half pregnant at this point, and we I all know like, you can't be a half pregnant. Yeah. Well, and, and here's another idea. We've have Hikaru Shida, who's basically run through that AEW women's roster to the point that we're having this eliminator tournament. We've had her face the NWA champion for crying out loud. Why not have Shida say, I'm looking for a challenge. I'm looking for someone new that I haven't faced before. So while you guys are doing your tournament, I'm going to go face the Impact Wrestling Knockouts champion, Deanna Perrazzo. Put it on an Impact. That's what I'm talking about. It's half-assed at this point. Yeah. yeah. They're, not, they're not fully committed to it. I feel like if you, maybe it's just me, but the company to have gone into with AEW should have been maybe MLW. There's younger talent that can benefit from it. Like, what do you, what's the benefit for the guys who left WWE? Like, I get the Good Brothers. That works for me. Like, I get that. But, you know, like, I, I just, I don't get the other guys. Like, what are you, you going to do? Um, you know, Steve Cardona. All right, come on. Like these guys didn't make it in WWE. You got you got these young guys who can who can do it. At least get his name right. It's Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona. See, <laughs> see. you should have should have just said Zack Ryder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just think they're half-assing it. Right. I think it's, I think yeah. it's a really good idea. She just should go over to Impact and be like, you know what? You know, um, what's his name? Kenny Omega can. If Kenny Omega can do it, I can do it too because I'm the ladies' champion. Right. right. Or you can have the ladies champion come over to this side and be like, you know what? I'm tired of being, not, you know, of, of being second class. I'm first class and I'm going to show you because I'm going to beat your champion. Right. I mean, so you can do it. I mean, it, it's, you know, you know, the other thing I didn't even think about, you guys brought it up is AEW, New Japan, Impact and possibly the NWA. Yeah. I mean, if done right, it could be exciting. If done wrong, it could be a disaster. It could be an invasion angle all over again. Do you think we need to get something similar to the old NWA setup where all the different regions, all the different promotions are actually interacting with each other? Not necessarily one world traveling champion. I would love that. I miss the territories. I think that was when wrestling was at its best because you didn't get fed up with anybody. You didn't have guys hanging around too long. They moved around. They went other places. They got to try out different angles. They got to do different things. I think the worst thing that ever happened to wrestling is the WWE because you're either there or you're not. Right. I mean, look, yeah, at a guy like, big look at a guy like Jeff Hardy. I mean, he's been floating around for years. I mean, if, in the old days, he could have moved over to the NWA and been somebody or gone to the AWA or, you know what I mean? And, and you'd long for him at some point. You'd be like, you know, man, I wish Jeff Hardy would come back instead of being like, oh, you know, there's Jeff Hardy again. You know, he's recycling him through something else now. You know what I mean? It's after a while, it just gets stale. Yeah, here's his eighth feud with Sheamus. That's what I'm talking about. After a while, you, you get in the same, right? Oh, he's fighting Randy Orton again. Oh, how many times have they gone through this? You know, I mean, yeah. I think the territories were where it's at. I used to, that was my favorite time of wrestling because you could have different feuds and move people in and out. And, you know, now you can't. You're either with WWE or you're AEW or you're pretty much on the independents at that point. Right. So. I think you would need some sort of nationwide league or series of leagues uh, like an AEW, uh, like WWE. I don't think the old days with the territories and limited TV 
capabilities is a thing anymore. Maybe all these wrestling companies being around will benefit to all these TV stations that are looking for content because they're, they're struggling. The, the other thing with the territory system is, and you hear it from just about everybody that writes a book about the territory system, yeah, it was great to be able to move on to another territory, but one was paying less than another, and the booker was always putting himself over. It, it wasn't perfect. I think it can, I, don't, I don't think it should be exactly the same, but I think you can take some of that. We've said it over and over again. Tony Khan really needs to get a ship in order instead of trying to do all the stuff the fanboys want. He's all, he's got to write the ship, uh, and not just in AEW. He's got to, they got to do it with their football team. They got to do it with their soccer team. When it comes to the sports franchises, they've turned too much into fanboys and not enough into business owners. Leadership, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think the last thing we wanted to talk about before we get on our top five is um, Tyler Rex. If you don't remember Tyler Rex, Anthony, remind me, was he on SmackDown? He was on SmackDown. And he was a bit player on SmackDown, right? He wasn't a uh, main eventer by any by any means. No, he was he was mid-card at best. I, if I remember correctly, he was partially tag team wrestler from time to time. Barely remember him, I'll be honest. I remember him. I do remember him. I'm look, reading his wiki page to confirm. Apparently he was on ECW on Sci-Fi. I totally don't remember that. Uh, and it looked like, let's see. He... Actually, I think that's where I do remember him from. If I had to take a guess, I think I remember him from ECW more than anything else. He had the look. He definitely had the look of a big-time player. He was big. He had, like, that, you know kind of grungy type monster look to him but they just couldn't figure out what to do with him like so many others yeah so why are we talking about him he did team up with kurt hawkins that's what i remembered yes that's how i remember him yeah he is announced that he is a trans woman yeah and he's going by the name gabby so you actually should be saying she not he sorry he, he, she prefers she. She, she did confirm that. Okay. She is a trans woman and now will be going by the name Gabby. Interesting. I'm trying to think. It, it, can anybody think of any other wrestler that's has um, that this has happened to? Or I mean, I know we've had some gay wrestlers and Nyla Rose, right? Anybody have any opinion on that? I mean, or anything they want to say about that? I just thought it was. Uh, I don't know. Just, I, I didn't know. I really didn't know what to think about it. I didn't think anything really about it too much. If that's gonna make her happy, that's cool. I wish I could understand what those people feel like when they feel like they're not the gender that they sympathize with or they feel they should be. Uh, I don't think I'll ever understand that. But hats off to having the courage to make the change and publicize it. Uh, it's a changing world, and part of what I think is great about it is also not just these people feeling more comfortable about being who they are, but also educating people that might not feel the same way those people do on what it's like. And, and I think that's the part that it's still hard. How do you get other people to understand how that person's feeling that made that change? I think you're right, Encyclopedia. I think you said it best. So let's jump into our, our big topic that we – that Rob brought up for us to talk about tonight. Rob, you want to bring it up? I was going to say, um, it, actually, it was a discussion between the encyclopedia and myself. So let's okay. give it that. Now I'm doing my Horowitz. 
I wasn't privy to that. Let, let's give him partial credit for this because we were talking about ideas and and we were I you know my disdain for part timers, and then he came and he was like we should have to do a list of you know our top part timers, and I actually want to do a little twist on that. I want to do my least favorite. Okay. I could throw that together a lot easier than I could my favorites. Uh, I'm going to do my least favorite. So, uh, Encyclopedia, why don't you kick us off? Who's your number one? Or your number five? Should we go that way? I need a minute to come up with my least favorites. So, why don't, we, right. first, why don't we first go by defining what a part-timer is? What your definition of a part-timer is? Because I think we have different variations here. So, my idea of a part-timer is, is someone who wrestles like less than maybe 10 times a year or shows up for a segment of the year and then disappears again. That's my idea of what a part-timer is. They're not on the full-time roster. Right. You know, maybe they show up around Rumble and they leave at WrestleMania or they show up for a month or two and mess everything up and then leave. So, uh, Freddie, would, would you call that your definition of a part-timer? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Okay. Like media. Every week in and out. It, yeah, I think it, for me it's twofold, and I think you pretty much summed it up. But, yeah, uh, either they're here only wrestling a certain amount of times per year or they're only here for a given time period, such as, for example, like uh, Batista, who you know might have went full-time as far as in-ring work, but he might have only been here for three or four months at a time, if you remember that run when he uh going through WrestleMania 30. Okay. All right, so... Now your list, in this case, your list can be your favorite or your least favorite. We don't have to. I just, I do them both now. You gave me some, yeah, you gave yeah, me some great me, ideas. Let, can I start? Go ahead. My least favorite part timer, and you probably already know the answer, but it, it was a kind of a neck and neck is Oldberg. All right, and and I'll give you my reasons. Um, he shows up and immediately drum takes a top spot. And more often than not, gets the title, and then doesn't defend the title, and then shows up at the next pay-per-view and just drops it to the next person. Instead of doing, you know, this this is the first time I think he's actually done the right thing, where he's lost to McIntyre. The man also only has two moves in his whole career. He's now, he's Spear, Jackhammer, Spear, Jackhammer. I mean, how boring one-dimensional can you be? He, to me, brings nothing to the table. He can't contribute anymore, and I, I hope he never wrestles again. The end. <laughs> I, I'm really sorry to tell you this. He's under contract for two matches a year minimum until the end of 2022, so sorry. So let him beat um, – oh, Heath Slater's gone. Um King Corbin can lose. I don't. Nobody cares about him. Feed him to Steve Cardona. There you go. That's my game. Bring the brawler out of retirement. Let him loot beat him. Okay. Yeah, so my, my, my my number one least is Goldberg as well. Goldberg, same reason. Uh, mine is actually not Goldberg. Um, I'm going to go one further and say it's somebody that's just totally in love with themselves, loves the industry, but... It didn't work for him, brother, because my number one least favorite part-timer is Hulk Hogan. And and it really goes 
And it really goes back to 93 when he came in at WrestleMania 9. He was supposed to just have a tag match and somehow finagled his way into becoming WWF champion by the end of the show to the point that I remember somebody calling me and saying, hey, Hogan won the belt. And I was like, Hogan wasn't even in the title match. Don't don't give me this bullshit. Get out of here. And then I turn on Raw and I'm like, oh, crap. And according to Bruce Pritchard, it was because they were going on a European tour and Hogan was known. So and then the kicker was Hogan didn't actually end up going on the tour. But Hogan's just so in love with himself and not so much in love with himself, but he just can't see putting other people over as being any benefit. Hogan thinks he's bigger than the business. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Okay. Now, I'll give you my number two because then I don't have much to say, and it's Goldberg, and it's pretty much the same reason you guys listed. But my biggest issue with Goldberg, yes, he, he ended up putting over Drew. He's put over Braun last year at WrestleMania. So he does tend to lose sometimes. But my biggest problem with Goldberg as a part-timer is he doesn't give a shit about wrestling. He's only here for the payday and so that his son can look and see what a wonderful guy his dad used to be when he was in his prime 20 years ago. The guy can't even get the jackhammer up properly anymore. He speared himself into the mat. I don't, I don't get it. If at least if he had the passion, maybe I would have racked him down a little bit lower. But I, again, I agree with everything you're saying. It's there's no doubt in my mind. So my number two is Ronda Rousey. I hate Ronda Rousey. She is the worst, one of the worst things that has ever happened to wrestling, and I'll tell you why. Number one, she does not care about the business. Number two, she's riding on a reputation that. She no longer has, in my opinion, because she got her ass knocked out and doesn't even fight MMA anymore. Twice, thank you. Yeah. And number three, you can tell she just does not care what who's like what, by her comments. She doesn't respect the business. She doesn't try to learn. I mean, her she is her her wrestling, whether she's good or bad, was exactly the same. Her facial expressions were the same. She never tried to learn her profession, and yet they thrust her right to the top where she didn't belong. The good news about her is that allowed them to create people like Becky Lynch and that and people like that. Right. But to me, she she's done nothing for wrestling whatsoever, and I can't stand her, and I hope she never comes back. My number two is Sting. He was great in the late 90s, and since then... And to quote uh, was it, uh, Randy from, uh, what is it, American Idol? It's going to be enough for me, dog. <laughs> no on Sting. Okay. So, I understand yeah. that. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, Encyclopedia, who's next? Uh, my number three is Brock Lesnar. Uh, and when he came back, I liked him. I was excited to see him back, but as time went on, and I don't know that it's necessarily him, it's really, I blame the booking. They don't want him losing. They put him over and to the point that they put the belt on him, and he wasn't around for several months. So that whole, the title needs to be defended every 30 days, unless Brock Lesnar wins the belt, then we're we're just going to throw that out the window. I, I, so that, I don't blame Brock. Brock has been very transparent. He's does it for payday. He's got no problem admitting that, and yet they keep signing him and having him run through everybody. So it, who's really gotten really over 
maybe Roman. That's about it. I mean, heck, even when Seth Rollins cashed in the money in the bank, who got pinned in that match? It was Roman. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. Here's the thing about Brock too. I mean, he's lost so many times now. He's lost his his uh, his, his glow, in my opinion. Like when I hear the music now, I'm, I'm like, whatever. You know, who's he gonna who's he gonna destroy? He's gonna stay around for a few months, and then they're just gonna set somebody up to beat him. So like, it's I feel the same way about him as I feel about the Undertaker now. Like when the music hits, I'm like, Ugh, really? I mean, you know. You're really you're in the ring acting intimidated. You're intimidated. I'm looking at him. He can barely make it to the ring. I mean, come on now. Yeah. So I, I agree with you with Brock. I, that's a good good choice. It's one of my choices. I don't know if it's one of my five, but it's certainly one of my choices. Yeah. Same with me. He's he's one of my choices on the list, but my number three is going to have to be Hogan. For the same reasons you guys brought up before, even when uh, you're watching the Undertaker's last ride. He mentioned about maybe it wasn't the last ride, but it was in one of his recent interviews where he was talking about how Hogan didn't want to put him over and uh, they just didn't complain that Undertaker dropped him on his neck when clearly in the video you can see that he never dropped him on his neck. So since since then, you know, I, I was a huge Hogan mark as a kid, but as I grew up, I'm like, man, this guy can't get out of his way. Well, what I find fascinating about Hogan is everywhere he came, they gave him pretty much gave him the book, everything he wanted, and he ne- he never was successful, mm-hmm. right? He didn't book the NWO. When they signed to Impact, they were like, "Oh, it's going to change the business." He actually made Impact worse. Worse, yeah. Because, because he's got to be top dog all the time. He's got to interject himself everywhere. So yeah, I, I Hogan is right up there on my list. Um, my number three, Anthony's going to love this one, are the Bellas. The Bellas keep threatening that they're going to come back, like they're God's gift to wrestling. They were horrible, horrible wrestlers, both of them. And they keep saying, one more run, one more run. No, we don't want you back. The women wrestling now are ten times better than than the Bellas ever were. They would look foolish in the ring if they had to face anybody. Like, anybody in the NXT roster would make them look foolish. And I don't even know what they're famous for anymore. I know they have the show on E! and whatever. And, you know, the one, and what's-her-name's married to Daniel Bryan. But, like, I never want to see them in the ring again. To me, they were like that period of wrestling where women's wrestling was at almost at its lowest. Because neither one of them could do anything right in the ring. And ever, now there's so many more skilled women, I think they would look ridiculous. So, no more battles for me. Stay out of Thank the you. ring. Yeah. All right. I do remember, I think it was Brie trying to jump through the ropes and her feet caught the bottom of the ropes and she fell face first. I remember that. And um, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, they were never, to me, they were never any good to begin with. And now the way women's wrestling has changed, they would look even more foolish because now they're older and, you know, they're, they're not as skilled. You know, there was a time for them when they were doing, you know, silly matches that didn't mean anything. Now I'll, I'll jump in my number four. Is Ric Flair, the nature boy. He's tarnishing his legacy, in my opinion. Like, he's... Like, it was cool when it was Evolution. Evolution was great. But since then, coming back, riding Charlotte's coattails. So it's bothering uh, you that he's on TV, period. Not just not that he's wrestling anymore. Yes, it, it, it bothers me that from what we grew up watching and how infamous and 
awesome he was at that point, it just, it's not working for me. Like, it, it, him and Lacey Evans now, like, come on, give him a backstage role or maybe make him, like, a commentator or something, but I just... If you heard him talk, he can't commentate. <laughs> Man's got a mouthful of chiclets. He can't talk anymore. Anything, then what are you doing now? It's just... Okay. Uh, my number four was already mentioned by Rob. Uh, it's The Undertaker, and it's just the case that once that streak was over, they, uh, at that point, let him ride off into the sunset slowly, but surely put people over, and instead he comes back at WrestleMania 31 and beats Bray Wyatt. I That really rubbed me the wrong way, and every appearance after that, he really... He was a shell of himself. I could honestly say that I think his last great match, besides the Boneyard match, was the match with Punk at WrestleMania 29. And when you compare it against the prior matches with Triple H, those two WrestleManias before, and Shawn Michaels, I would, I don't even think the Punk match was quite hit that level. So, yeah, the Undertaker, and I don't necessarily blame the Undertaker totally. It, he said it on the last ride. A lot of it was, yeah, he wanted that perfect match to go out on, but part of it was Vince always calling him. You can't say no. Yeah. You can't say I'll show up, but I won't wrestle. You know, I can't do it anymore. Can you honestly say if you were in his position and you kept getting called and there were the dollar signs there and everything, you wouldn't do it? I could say that I probably wouldn't want to step in the ring. I would show up and make an appearance, but I certainly don't want to embarrass myself in the ring anymore. I mean, a lot of... Most great athletes have to be told to leave. Yeah. It happens in all sports, not just wrestling, right? Baseball players, they don't, you know, they just don't get signed. They don't get the, they don't see the writing on the wall. My Undertaker is actually my fourth, and I'm just going to piggyback on what Anthony said. My other problem is, is, um, at least on the way out, he could he could be putting people over, and instead he was still winning. Like I think Punk should have beat him. I think I don't think AJ Styles should have lost. I think there's a, a lot of things he could have done on the way out if that's what you're going to do. And I don't think – and, you know, booking aside, I mean, at some point he's got a lot of sway. He could have said, you know what, I don't need to win this match. You know, I'm the Undertaker. My legacy is secure. So, you know, and I, I you know, I semi-cinematic matches are ridiculous. I can't stand them. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm hating the fact that without fans – they can film what they want to film. Like all this Alexa Bliss stuff is driving me crazy. Because it's not wrestling to me. It's theater now. And I want it wrestling. I don't want theater. I don't need, you know, her to change clothes in the middle of a match. I, I'm not an idiot. It's obviously they just stopped filming. You know, so that stuff annoys me. But back to what Anthony was saying, agreed completely. Undertaker should have stepped away probably five years ago. At least. My number five is going to be Taker for the same reasons you guys talked about. In my opinion, if they were going to drop the streak, it should have been to an up-and-coming guy like Roman at the time. But they gave it to Brock, and it just didn't make sense. And, like, the same thing with Flair. His legacies. You're, you're not... You're not going to remember him for what he did before. It's what you, what have you done for me lately, and what we've seen lately hasn't been the greatest. 
Yeah, my number five, I was swaying on who my number five would be. I'm going to go with Sting. And quite simply, it's the fact that he he overshadows any appearance he makes. Uh, well, he overshadows everyone in, on the screen with every appearance he makes. He doesn't really put anybody over, and it's not really necessarily his fault. I know when he lost to Triple H at WrestleMania 31, I was really pissed off at the time. The more I thought about it, I'm like, as time went on, I'm like, well, if you had to put the two side by side, at that time and place, on that day, who would you really expect to win? Sting should not have even been in the ring at that point. His last few matches in Impact were clear of that. He couldn't go anymore. Yeah, but, you know, since they made that match such a mockery, you could have excused Sting winning. You know, you got DX coming in, you got NWO coming in. That that's because you hated Triple H and you hated that they always put WWE over WCW. I'm just saying though, if you're gonna if you're gonna make that match a mockery, you're gonna make it a you know a a joke with a bunch of guys appearing and all that. You can justify Sting winning. You know, because it's not a real match anyway. Yeah. Right. It's if it was a real one-on-one wrestling match, then you could say, well, Triple H should win. But if you're going to throw all the shenanigans in, then anybody can win. So that's you know, my only argument about that. But I, I agree with you. I mean, Sting does overshadow everybody he's in with. So. Yeah, I mean, AEW right now, when he comes out, does anyone really want to see Darby Allen at that point? I, I feel like it's a step back for Darby Allen. It will be very interesting to see what happens when there's actually fans like a full stadium of fans, because I've got opinions about certain people that are being pushed that if there were fans there, they would not be getting the push they were getting. And I, the other thing I want to bring up, did anybody notice during the Rumble that, um, or maybe it was Raw, I can't remember which one, they were piping in This Is Awesome? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You're piping in This Is Awesome? Really? I mean, come on. Ridiculous. All right, well... To, to finish this list, my number five, I had a couple people. Um, I, I, I was debating Cena. Um, I also had Foley, Mick Foley, because Mick Foley seems to come back and, like, you know, for, for whatever he's promoting, he seems just like, you know, he's out there to promote, you know, whatever he's got going at that moment, not really for, you know, wanting to be there. I also had Triple H, because it seems like Triple H inserts himself into into angles all the time. You know, and and really, there's no payoff. But my actual my my number five is The Rock, and I'll tell you why. Because The Rock comes back, he's Im- immediately the coolest guy in the room, and he can come back and make fun anybody wants. And the in the the situation I, I remember clearly, I'll bring up is he came in and I think Lana and and um, what's his name? What was his name in WWE? Now his name escapes me right now. Joseph. Rusev, and he came out and just started talking smack about her and, and, you know, being all rude and stuff. And, like, there was no – there's no payback on that. So, like, they just opened the doors for him, and he comes through. And then the last couple times he's come back, he's actually gotten hurt. So he's really, like, not even worth having in the ring at that point because he can't go anymore. Right. So to me, The Rock – I always – that drove me crazy. He'd come in, he'd start insulting everybody, and everybody would be like, oh, it was The Rock. Instead of – the, the locker room should gang up on him and beat the snot out of him and throw him out of the ring. It's like, oh, the Rock's making fun of us. Oh, okay. And you know, we're not, we're not gonna, you're not gonna hit him. He's making, he's calling your wife a whore, and you're not gonna punch him in the face. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's same thing with like Cena. 
you know, they, he comes back and they're like, you know, they treat him like he's a god. And all right, they are legends, no doubt. But I don't know if, you know, Reggie Jackson came into the Yankees locker room and started mouthing off and had Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge might punch him in the face. You know, I mean, it's just I don't really get, you know, bringing him back and letting him run loose on the rock locker room and get the main event matches and, you know, do whatever he wants for that limited amount of time. And again, they win the belts and they don't defend them. You know, right. it's like it's a placeholder to the next match. And to me, a belt should be defended. You don't get to skip pay-per-views. You don't get to skip because you're who you are. Like same thing with Brock. It seems like it's always the same thing. The belt is like a prop. And when I, the way I was brought up, the belt meant something. You were the champion. You defended it. So anytime, you know, you got guys like that, it drives me crazy. All right. Now our top five favorite guys. I don't know if I have five. <laughs> I thought that was the whole purpose of this whole thing that we talked <laughs> yeah, about. Know, I started writing the list down. I started going, I hate this guy. I hate this guy. I hate this guy. So, like, I couldn't really, I couldn't really come up with five that I loved. I got a, I have a very short list. I think I have maybe three guys that I like that I don't mind coming back. All right. All right. So, let's, let's run through our lists. And right. then we'll, we'll explain them since Rob doesn't have five, but we might. All right, well, so, my first is Shawn Michaels. Start, start, I was going to say start with five. All right, well, I only have three, so go ahead. If you guys want to start with five, I'll I'll catch in when uh, I'm ready. Go ahead. All right, so my number five is Batista. I figured um, when he comes around, he at least wants to do something instead of just show up and have one match. He wants to have some type of a decent storyline, put some guys over in the meantime. So Batista's my number five. All right, Rob, you should probably just hang up now. Because <laughs> my number, f uh, for my f top five, for the most part, it's got to be people that help their the division or the company that when they leave, they kind of try to leave it in a better place, which is a big issue we have with part-timers today. A lot of them don't do that. And my number five is actually someone that you had in your bottom five. My number five is Ronda Rousey. I knew that. You only like her because you have a picture with her. That's not why, actually. I She came in. She First, she did go and train. She was training with the developmental until WrestleMania. And they chose to rush her up to the main roster. And she was only there for a small amount of time. And if you think about it, when she left, when she walked out of WrestleMania 35, she put Becky Lynch over, put her, put her on that level where she was the man, no pun intended. And would Becky Lynch have even risen to that point if Ronda Rousey wasn't involved? Let's, I mean, that women's division, yeah, they had the revolution going, but it, was, it only got so far. You brought in a mainstream star who eventually raised the stake and then put over a new top person on the way out. And if you think about it, Becky Lynch was probably the hottest person WWE had until she became pregnant with her child with Seth. Okay. You make a valid argument. I don't agree with it, but – and you're wrong, but – I didn't agree with half the stuff that was coming out of your mouth in your bottom five, and I just kept my mouth shut because it's your opinion. If we agreed all the time, this would be a boring show. 
it's nice to actually get the top lists that don't completely mesh because that's what I'm talking I'm, about. So Freddie, who's number four? My number four was Triple H. Um, he's done a lot for the business. He keeps trying to innovate it on the back end. I heard he was the one who ran the Rumble match because Vince was in absence. So for me, Triple H, number four, he seems to do right by the talent when he does come back. So Triple H. Uh, my number four was actually someone that you mentioned. It's Batista, and it's for the same, pretty much the same reasons. Uh, Daniel Bryan, when he beat, when he won the belt at WrestleMania 30, who tapped out? It was Batista, and then Batista stayed for another three months and helped put over the Shield and brought them to that upper echelon. So, I and you mentioned it, Batista, when he won that Royal Rumble. They all thought he was going to get this face reaction. He's like, no, I'm going to get booed out of here. You guys should probably reconsider this. I mean, he, he gets it. He gets it. He put people over on the way out and left them off better than they were before he returned. So that's my number four. My number three is Edge. I mean, I was I was a big Edge mark growing up. His coming back from injury, even his angle during injury with Rollins seemed to put Rollins over at that point with the curb stomp, his whole thing holding his neck to, to the briefcase or whatever it was at the time. Um, I just want, I, I hope he can stay healthy to have a somewhat of a part-time run here and maybe put over Roman a little bit more on his way out. All right. Well, my number three is Batista for all the reasons you said. So we don't need to go through that again, but I agree with you guys. Okay. And my number three is Mick Foley. And that's because Foley, when he did come back, let's be honest, would we have a legend killer if it wasn't for Mick Foley? Who was the first legend that Orton went over? It was Foley. And when Foley came back each time, it wasn't necessarily to put himself over. He was always trying to put other people over, notwithstanding the whole Ric Flair, Mick Foley feud. There's no legend killer if there wasn't a guy like Mick Foley that was willing to put him over and take all those bombs and what have you at Backlash. All right, so my number two would be Daniel Bryan. He's not full-time anymore. He's putting guys over. He's advocating for guys backstage from, you know, the rumor mills and the reports. So Daniel Bryan, number two for me. Number two for me, Kane. Kane comes back and, you know, no, like came back to the Royal Rumble and had a little fun, you know, beat up a couple of guys, got thrown out. Like he never comes back looking to me like he needs any kind of like he's just coming back because they asked him to. He, they don't insert him in angles. You know what I mean? Like he, he knows his place now. And um, he doesn't seem to, you know, it's not like The Undertaker. He doesn't need to run like that, even though he's kind of if you think about his career, he's had a pretty storied career in WWE. Um, I just like the fact that he, you know, to me, it doesn't bother me when he comes back because they're not, they're not thrusting him to the top of the car. They're not, you know, there's no expectations there. He comes back, he does what he does and then he leaves. So my number two is actually a guy that's come back for a couple 
uh, part-time runs and again he's helped people get to the next level put people over and that is actually a person that's a, currently a full-timer now in AEW and his name is Chris Jericho and Jericho came back several times he put Orton over uh, one of his first returns let's be honest what was one of the greatest things we got and it was out of a part-time run in Jericho's career you just made the list that whole thing with him and KO and in the end KO ended up looking even better out of it I mean as lackluster as KO's title reign might have been the segments with him and Jericho were gold and Jericho was that person that KO could play off of during that whole thing otherwise KO's title reign probably wouldn't have been very memorable I mean a lot of people would probably say oh KO was the champ they remember the segments they don't necessarily remember KO being the universal champion at the time uh, and now Jericho while AEW doesn't necessarily run the same full-time schedule that a WWE does and Jericho does win a shares matches he's still putting people over um and he and I wouldn't consider him a part-timer for AEW but the guy the guy at least his ego isn't so big that he doesn't try to help the industry with what the work he's doing all right so my number one probably not going to be your guys's number one but for me what he did this year Pat McAfee is probably my favorite part-timer at the moment he's come in he's understood what his role was he's put over guys that let's be realistic other than Pete Dunne in that group would they have really gotten over he can talk he gets it he even sold the beating two or three days later on his daily show with a neck brace for like two days like the dude gets it and it's one of the reasons I was watching NXT at the time, looking forward to his segments. So, number one on my list for favorite part-timers would be Pat McAfee. Yeah, I think Jericho's a good point. I didn't bring up, I didn't put him on my list only because I don't consider him a part-timer, but you make a good point. I can't argue that. And if that was the criteria, then I would put him as my number one. But I, who I have at my number one is Shawn Michaels. And that's only because he's a personal favorite of mine. I always like when he comes back. Um you know, the D, let's face it, the DX runs, you know, while they weren't super, I still end up watching them over and over again um, because I love the fact that, you know, he's like so pure now and Triple H was always trying to get him in trouble and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I have to say when I hear the music, I always get a little excited because I've always liked Shawn Michaels. I always thought he always brought it every time he was in the ring. So even now, like I, I know he comments on NXT. I wish they'd bring him on NXT once in a while. I don't mind seeing him on TV because, again, he's not one of those guys that has to be at the top of the card. He'll show up and take a beating or he'll show up and play the fool. You know, he's comfortable with his position. He doesn't feel like he has to still prove himself. I feel, I feel like that with Triple H sometimes. He's still trying to prove he's the man. Where Shawn Michaels is already the man. He doesn't need to do anything else. You know, his legacy is secure. You know, and if, if he never wrestles again, he's fine with that. You know, so I like when he shows up because it's always in some other capacity, in my opinion. Michaels was an honorable mention for me, as was Tristratus, because she was another one that would come back and put people over. She never really had to be going over when she returned. But my number one is actually Triple H, and it's because for the last five, six, seven years, not only, yeah, he's running NXT, which is a full-time job, but when he gets in the ring now, it's not always about him winning all the time. He might defeat other legends, like in some off Australia or Saudi Arabia show that we kind of roll our eyes at, but he put over Seth Rollins when Rollins was trying to get to the upper echelon. Um, he tried, as did many, to 
get Roman over as that super face all those years ago. Really, you could even, let's be honest, WrestleMania 30, he was already part-time, and he put over Daniel Bryan. I mean, did anyone ever think that that was going to happen until that storyline got put together? So I think Triple H, yeah, in the younger part of his career was was about him, and at times it might still be, but I think he also realizes when he needs to take a step back and help put other people over. So surprisingly, Triple H is my number one. All so, right, so that's a, a better better segment than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be boring, but we we brought some some interesting uh, names to the table, things I didn't really think about. So we do our justice on this podcast, yeah. you guys. We bring it. All right. So with that being said, guys, enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. Um, we'll probably throw out a poll sometime this week, maybe to figure out what our next watch along maybe next week or the week after will be so stay tuned for that or if there's any top 10 lists people want us to talk about or top fives I would definitely like to hear what the fans have to say about those yeah so check it out stay tuned to the social media pages thesportsfancypodcast.com on Facebook and Instagram thesportsfancypod on Twitter and we will catch you guys next week peace